I'm not saying you have to love football. We all have different likes and dislikes, people. Personally, I'm not a fan of the avocado. I just don't like the mouth. Either. But, but if you're someone who loves football, I mean, truly loves it well, my sportsbook app might be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. We're going to uh, be learning a piece from Reb Lazar Silver on uh, some of the halachas of gerushin, of Jewish divorce. And uh, again, as we've been mentioning, our goal is to see how this halachic analysis, how uh, the lumdus that Reb Lazar presents, also intersects with the psychology and offers us insights into the process of living. Reb Lazar's ideas here center on the halacha of krisus. The uh, Gemara says that a get is required to be a full and total separation between the husband and the wife. There cannot be anything keeping them together. And uh, throughout the mission of the Gemara and Gitin, you find a lot of different examples of things which would negate a get. So, uh, for example, if uh, the husband says to the wife that the condition for this get is that she can't go home and uh, visit her parents' house. So that would be something that continues to connect them after the marriage is over, after the divorce. And therefore, it would invalidate the get. There is no crisis. It has to be a full separation. If there's a condition remaining after the giving of the get, which makes it that she still has to follow a condition of his even after the divorce is done, so that would be a halachic problem in this gerushin. Now, the exact specifications of when what would be crisis and what would not is left somewhat unclear uh, throughout the discussions in the Mishnah and the Gemara. The uh, commentary that Tiferes Yaakov on Gi'in, Daf Pegimel so he offers a somewhat uh, original classification, and he claims that the only problem of Krisos, if you look at all the cases throughout the Mishnah and the Gemara's discussion, it's only situations that have to do with marriage. So it's only when the husband puts in a limitation, which would have to do with the actual act of being married. So then there's a problem. But in cases which have nothing to do with being married whatsoever, so then, according to the Tiferes Yaakov, we don't care if that's one of his conditions. Uh, The situation where he tells her that she can't go back to her parents' house, so that would be a problem, he claims, for a little bit of a different reason, which is that if she's dependent on him forever, for the rest of her life, so then we have a concern that she might violate this condition. She may go back and visit her parents at some point, and that would negate their divorce retroactively, and if she has remarried in the meantime, that would be a problem. But uh, fundamentally, the rule of Krisos, according to the Tiferes Yaakov, is a more limited uh, application to conditions which involve marital issues. And uh, interestingly enough, Reb Chaim Brisker in Chidush Reb Chaim Alevi and Mechira Yud Gimel Gimel seems to say the same definition of this halacha. Uh, this more standard definition of the halacha is that krisus involves anything which has to do with the gerushin. So if he makes a condition which the giving of the get is dependent on, so that would be a problem in that gerushin. It would make the divorce conditional, which creates a connection between them even after the giving of the get, and so therefore that would be problematic. But if he makes a condition in a totally separate part of his life that has nothing to do with this divorce or this marriage, 
So then in that situation, it would not be a problem of Krisos, even though there's some sort of connection. Now, Reb Lazer Silver suggests a third definition of this Krisos, and that is a very expanded idea that the notion of Krisos in the Torah, when the Torah said that a get has to be final, it meant that they cannot be defined vis-a-vis each other anymore. So uh, this woman cannot be defined as his divorced wife in any way. Once the get is given, so then there has to be very clear that she is now unmarried to him and their relationship is over. That's what it means to have full Croesus. Now, using this understanding of uh, Croesus, Reb Lazer answers a number of questions. The first is the Lecha Mishnah's question on the Rambam, who in the beginning of Hilchos Gerushin lists 10 conditions which are necessary to make a get kosher. And uh, Lecha Mishnah points out that he forgot, he omitted one condition, which is Mishalcha ve'ena chozeris. The Gemara says that uh, you cannot divorce a wife who is a child or has uh, some mental limitations because she won't understand the divorce and she will not understand that she's no longer married and she will return. And that would be a violation of what we derive from the word in the Torah, Vishalcha mi beso, that he has to send her away and she has to understand, she has to not come back after this. So uh, the Lecha Mishnah wonders why the Rambam omitted this condition that it has to be very clear to the woman that she is now divorced and not to return. So Reb Lazer suggests, based on this criteria of Krisus, that the Rambam held that Mishalcha ve'ena chozeris, this qualification, that the woman has to understand that a divorce took place, is included in Krisus. Because if she continues to come back because she doesn't fully understand that, that this divorce happened, so then that would be a violation of Krisus. They are not fully separated. And uh, therefore, the Rambam did not feel that he has to list that one separately, Mishal Chavena Choseris, because it's included in the condition of Krisus, which is the fourth of his conditions that he lists over there. That it has to be clear in the get that they are now fully separated. So that's the first question that Reb Lezer answers with his expanded view of Krisus. Uh, the reason why the Rambam did not repeat Mishal Chavena Choseris in his list of 10 conditions for a get is because it's included in Krisus. And uh, that's because Krisus means anytime there's still a connection between these two spouses after the get is given, it's not a good get. There's no full Krisus. The uh, second question that Reb Lazer answers with this theory is a well-known question of Diktos, and uh, this was the issue that we dealt with in the first of our mini-series. We dealt with the Diktos' approach and Reb Meir Simcha's. Uh, the Tzos' question is that why do we require uh, two witnesses for all Gitin and Kiddushin, every Jewish marriage and divorce, when in other cases, primarily financial situations, if both parties agree to what happened, they both acknowledge that what happened, there's no debate between them, so we do not require witnesses. So if both people acknowledge that there was a financial transaction where one person sold his car to the other, we don't need witnesses on that. We believe them. 
So the question that the Ktos wants to understand is why is it when it comes to divorce and marriage, we do not believe the parties involved, even if they both acknowledge that this took place, but we require there to be Adim who witnessed what happened. And especially because the notion of witnesses for Kiddushin is derived from the notion of witnesses in financial cases, so you would think that they would have to be the same. So we dealt with the Ktos's approach in the first of our mini-series, and uh, we dealt with our mayor Simcha's ideas on why you need Ede Kiddushin. Reb Lazer does not address why we need Ede Kiddushin, uh, but he does have an approach to why we always require Ede Gerushin, uh, witnesses on the get. And Reb Lazer says that again, it's because of Krisus. If there are no witnesses on this get, and it's only because both husband and wife admit that this get was given and she was divorced, she is still dependent on the husband in some way. Because if at some point he denies that he wrote the get and he gave it to her, then she's not going to have her garrison. So her divorce continues to rely on the fact that the husband admitted that he had divorced her. But if he would take away that admission, so then she would be in trouble. So therefore, even when he's admitting that it happened, says Reb Lazer, it's still a problem because it's not Krisus. She is in some way dependent on him. And that would be a problem if there is this relationship over here that she requires him to say that he gave her a get. And therefore, we cannot accept that. So therefore, that's why we always require witnesses on the get. You cannot have a situation where the Gerushin is done and they both acknowledge it, even though that works in financial cases. So if you don't have witnesses in a financial case and both parties agree that it happened, so we don't need to prove it, no one's denying that it happened, so that would be sufficient. But in a case of Gerushin, even though we have no believability issues, we understand that this certainly did happen and we believe them, but the fact that there isn't this Krisos because she depends on him continuing to to say that he gave the get, so therefore that would be problematic. And uh, Reb Lazer describes this distinction between financial cases and Gerushin really uh, in a very powerful way. And I'm going to read a little bit. He says, The marriage relationship is different than a financial relationship. In financial cases, you sell something to someone else, and then you remove yourself from the object, but you don't remove yourself from the buyer. That person is still the buyer and you're the seller. So even after the transaction has been completed, you still remain the seller and the other person still remains the buyer. And that's an integral part of this relationship. You cannot proceed without this person being considered a buyer. That's the way they take ownership of this object by being the buyer. And therefore, there's no notion of Krisus in that situation. But when it comes to a get, so the opposite is really taking effect. The woman is taking greater ownership of herself, uh, if you will. Uh, so by the husband separating himself from the object in question, uh, he's also separating himself from the person, he ha'isha, because uh, that's the woman. Uh, there is no separation between the woman 
and the thing that is being separated between these two people. We're talking about a relationship between a man and a woman and they are separating. So therefore the woman becomes more independent and you cannot in any way say that the husband is just distancing himself from the marriage and not from the woman. And if the woman is now obligated in any way uh, to stay connected with him, so then uh, we view it as if the separation from this relationship has not been full. So uh, according to Reb Lazer, once you think about it, logically you see that there has to be krisos in a get because otherwise the husband is saying he's separating from the marriage but not from the woman. But that's the same thing. A relationship and a marriage is precisely between the man and the woman. And if the husband is separating himself from his wife, then he also has to be separated from this woman. He can't say uh, that she's not my wife, but I'm still connected to her uh, as a person or uh, in some other way because that's the whole essence of this relationship. A marriage is between two people. And if he's distancing himself from the marriage, then he's distancing himself from her. So therefore, there has to be crisis. As opposed to in a financial case where we're dealing with two people and there's an object in the middle which is separate. So there the seller could say, I'm separated from this object. It no longer belongs to me, but I'm not separated from the person. In fact, we actually need the relationship to continue in some way in order for this person to be a buyer and to take ownership of the object. So that explains why there's a difference between gi'in and financial cases when it comes to this question of krisus. And it explains what the essence of krisus is in a case of a get, that the husband has to be totally separated from the relationship, and that includes the woman. There cannot be anything lingering that connects the two of them. Otherwise, the relationship has not been fully ended. Now, this is uh, Reb Lazar's halachic explanation of the notion of krisus. And as we've seen he answers a number of questions. We dealt with two of them based on his theory and his reading of Croesus. Uh, but there's also a very important psychological message here, uh, which is that the way Reb Lazar reads Croesus, so the Torah is telling us a distinction between two words that we use synonymously in English. Uh, we talk about people being an ex-husband or an ex-wife. You know, that's uh, one way to describe someone whose marriage has ended. And we also talk about a divorcee to refer to someone who's gotten divorced. And in English, those two words are effectively synonyms. They mean the same thing. But Reb Lazer points out that in halacha, these are actually two very distinct meanings. The word divorcee defines this person by the act of this divorce. Whereas ex-wife, ex-husband defines them as someone who was married. It defines them through their marriage and now it has ended. So it has really a very different connotation. And in Halacha, Reb Lazer says that this makes all the difference. According to Halacha, someone who was married and gets divorced is considered an ex, an ex-husband, an ex-wife. Their marriage has ended. But we do not define them as a divorcee. That's the essence of Croesus. We cannot define someone 
at, by their divorce, by the failure of the marriage. We define them by the marriage. The marriage was there, whatever happened in it, the years they had together, the children they had, whatever experiences were there, remain. But krisus means that they are no longer dependent on the other person. They are not defined by that divorce. They are not defined by the failure of the marriage. They're defined as someone whose marriage has ended and the relationship is over. But if after the divorce they are still viewed as a divorcee, which for halacha means that there is something lingering which continues to bind them to this divorce, they didn't fully understand it, or uh, it's a process that's going on, they need the other person's agreement. Whatever is binding them to this process of divorce would make it that it's ineffective, invalid. According to the halacha, a divorce has to be over and done with, and then the person goes on and they are not defined by that divorce. And, uh, you know, I think this can uh, be a valuable lesson uh, for those of us on the outside who are interacting with someone who may have gone through a divorce to remember that according to the halacha, the essence of krisus is that this person is not defined by that divorce. They're defined by the fact that they were married. They're not married. That has certain halachic ramifications. But the divorce is something which happened and it's over. And uh, we should not continue to dwell on that or uh, think of that as a defining feature of them. And for those who uh, unfortunately have gone through the experience of a divorce, I uh, hesitate to share any advice uh, having not gone through that painful experience myself, thank God. But uh, I suspect that not defining oneself by a failure or by a difficulty is uh, something that can only be helpful. And uh, that's what the halacha tries to emphasize in this point of krisos. This halacha is aimed at saying that divorce happens, it's difficult, it's unfortunate, but uh, we cannot define people by their divorce. Krisos means that it's over, it's done, it cannot linger. And after that, they move, they're defined by their independence and by the ability to start over.